Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog, a goodly, hotly morning to you, James. Yeah, sweaty morning, isn't it? Sweaty morning indeed. Mm. Very warm. Very warm this side of uh, the It's warm there too, is it, it? It is. It is. It's really warm. It's been a fantastic weekend. I've spent most of it in the back garden, cooking meat over fire, drinking beer, drinking wine, that kind of stuff. And when I wasn't doing that, I was just sitting inside uh, watching films and TV shows. Oh. It was a very relaxing weekend. That's absolutely ideal. Mm. Absolutely ideal. You could be back in Barcelona with this weather. Could indeed. Uh, but are there not downsides to the sun, though? I mean, what about the moths, Andrew? What about the moths? There are too many moths, James. There are far, far too many moths. That's all I can say. And they do tend to flitter around the lights, don't they, at nighttime when you're sitting out the back on the on the little bit of patio that we have at the back and there's a, an outside light and all of a sudden there's moths and then you go into the bathroom and there's moths aplenty. They're everywhere. They're just too many moths. I know the yeah. world has got bigger problems right now, but I, I'm just, I've got to get it on the record. Too many moths. I think the moths are taking advantage of some of the world's problems to sort of creep up on us. They're, they're building, they're growing in numbers, and mm. no one's doing anything about it. Uh, why are moths horrible? Because a butterfly is lovely. So why do I hate moths? Because they're, they're kind of like dusty and hairy, I think. You know, a butterfly has got beautiful patterns. I'm not a big fan of butterflies either. You know, again, it comes back to my thing about birds. They're fluttering yeah. and flapping. I'm just... I just uh, insects too, obviously, do that. But uh, moths, they look like... like if, have you ever punched a moth? Uh, no, I've tried, probably. If I'm honest, I, but I, I never have. The other day I was in uh, the bathroom last thing at night. I was brushing my teeth. I was looking out the window and uh, in flew a moth right at me. And I just sort of instinctively, you know, you know the way it happens. My ninja reflexes kicked in, James. Yeah, you know, I, sure. I try and keep them under control, but sometimes I just can't help it. You know, all that, all those years of training. The training is yeah, there, you know, you can there. never get away from it. And boom, before you knew it, my hand had come up to do a ninja thing, kind of, whatever, on the moth, just to sort of get it away from my face, to remove the danger from me. And I caught the body of the moth full on with the uh, fingernail of my middle finger. And it made this kind of like, this kind of sound like this. Hang on. Like that. Uh, It was horrible. It was horrible. And... 
I had to sit down for a while afterwards. Did, I mean, just, did you take the moth out? Did, was that the moth done for? Or? Uh, he just fluttered off. So I think they're yeah. quite they're quite indestructible. These moth quite overlords resilient. are gonna they're gonna do us in one day. When the revolution comes, it will just be the moths left yeah. behind. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The other consequence of the heat is that I, I don't sleep really. I don't sleep very well at all. Oh, I have fitful sleep. And last night I had an Arsenal dream. Do you want mm, to know about my, sure. my Arsenal dream? Let's have it. Come on. So I dreamt last night that we signed a centre forward, a striker. I know. Crazy dreams. I've been drinking. I've been drinking again. <laughs> and uh, it was on a free transfer, um, which feels more plausible. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how we arranged to do it, but the striker who we secured on a free transfer was none other than Liverpool's Daniel Sturridge. And let me tell you, mm. he was brilliant. Oh, was he? He you, was, yeah, he was You went really through a good. whole season, did you? You dreamed a whole season. I didn't get that far. It was a few months in and he was really doing well. And everyone was like, this is a huge coup that they've pulled off on a free transfer. They really gambled on him. But there was always that epity of when's the injury coming. Mm. But in the meantime, he was a star. He was wearing the number nine shirt. Wow. Yeah, he was terrific. So, you know, one to put on the transfer list. I mean, obviously, he's not available on a free transfer, so... It's fantasy. It is pure fantasy. And again, I think it's the heat playing tricks with your mind that he might be, you know, that good. Obviously, he's a good player, Daniel Sturridge. But I think injuries like uh, so many players before have have really hampered him. Um, yeah, it's I, just odd. I don't know where I pulled that one from, really. It's not really one that's on the on the, the news agenda, is no, it? No, somewhere lurking in the in the depths of your mind. Um, mm. Right, I, a couple of things. Uh, one thing I do want to do is recommend a TV show to people that I've been watching over the last couple of weeks, and I got to the end of it last night over the weekend. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Brockmire. Have you seen this? No. This no. is, it's fucking brilliant. It's... Hank Azaria, you know the guy who does lots of yeah. voices for the for the Simpsons, and he is basically a washed up baseball announcer who comes back to America after leaving in uh, indignity and shame. Uh, he has a, a very public breakdown and goes off to live in Southeast Asia, but comes back to work in this small baseball team. I can't, I don't know exactly where it is, but real small town America. The baseball team is. Is uh, is really struggling. It's uh, the town has obviously been affected by the austerity and all that kind of stuff. And he comes back. He's a, an inveterate alcoholic, drug user, and it's just seriously, seriously funny. And his his voice in it is amazing. It's Brackmeyer. Uh, it's he has got a great voice. He has got an, an amazing voice. So if you haven't watched this TV show, uh, find it. I think it's on IFC in the US. But you know, you know the way. There's ways of getting television shows that are on uh, in the US. These so I've, downloads. I've heard, I've heard so this. people can yeah. find stuff on the internet. I think. Uh, it's well worth it's well worth checking out. Ah, I will check it out. Okay, Brockmire. Brockmire. Right, thanks for the recommendation. Brockmire. Uh, Brockmire. Also, also, I want to say thanks. Uh, we, I guess we both want to say thanks to everybody who made Arscast Extra episode number 179, the number one podcast episode in sports in the UK uh, last week on iTunes. That was... Yeah, uh, that, that was, was very cool. Yeah, so, you know, Football Weekly, Talk Sport, Five Live, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Sky Sports, Colin Murray... Your guys took a hell of a beating. 
temporarily. <laughs> Very temporarily. temporarily. God knows what will happen if anything happens with Arsenal. Imagine, you know, they have to create a whole new way of measuring it. Yeah. Break I, all records. I don't know how they do that, but thank you, uh, thank you everybody who uh, who did that. And also just a thank you to uh, Matt and Simon who uh, rescued me last week. They make the, uh, the apps that we have for Android and for iOS. And uh, Tom uh, went on holidays last week, but just before uh, he went, uh, I made some changes to the website um, to 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 make everything secure. This uh, secure HTTPS thing that we do, and it broke the apps. And uh, Simon and Matt uh, really uh, uh, worked very quickly to get new updates out there. So if you are, are having problems with anything going on with the site, and you're using the Android app or the iOS app, just update it. There's a brand new update there for you uh, to download. So uh, cheers to those guys. And uh, that's about that for this week's uh, Arscast Extra. It's been, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we enjoyed being number one, but we, we're, we're going to quit while we're ahead. Exactly. We're going to go rest on our laurels right now. Yeah, delicious laurels. Mm. Have a comfy laurel, sit on those. Um, what can we talk about? Well, Arsenal have got an Australian man. They have got an Australian man, Darren... Burgess, who's going to come in as, well, we don't quite know what his role is going to be yet, but uh, it's a a very interesting appointment. Uh, There were some details released this morning, uh, Port Adelaide, who are uh, an Aussie rules team. Uh, For when I read the story first, I just assumed it was like an Australian uh, soccer team, an A-League team. Mm -hmm. And then it just dawned on me that, no, this is a guy who keeps those big, gigantic Aussie rules footballers fit. Like, they're... Big fucking guys. Yeah, yeah. And they do a lot of jumping and landing and jumping and landing. And then, you know, they fucking crash into each other as well. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a crazy great sport, Aussie rules, um, but very physical. So, you know, if he can keep those guys fit, he's probably going to have, uh, he's probably going to come to Arsenal and say, wow, this is, this is easy. This is going to be, and then he'll realize that it's actually Arsenal and he'll have a lot to do. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It is, and I guess, I mean, this probably shouldn't come as a surprise, but that article uh, on the Adelaide website um, made clear that he'd been handpicked by Arsene Wenger. Mm. Uh, So this is not, you know, this is not Ivan doing his uh, catalyst for change or going above and beyond the manager. This is an appointment seemingly fully with the manager's backing. what what I what it raises for me is I wonder is is somebody off? I mean it it does feel like a little bit of a clash with some of the other roles that are already established working with the first team. But. Yeah, I mean his his uh, job title at at Port Adelaide was head of high performance, I think, and Shad Forsyth is uh, listed on the Arsenal website as the head of performance. So I mean it's more or less. The same role, you would say. Um, we should have had a, a head of high performance all along. No wonder we've just been performing rather yeah. than high performing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, yeah, it does seem very similar, doesn't it? Do you think there's any chance... I mean, somebody tweeted me saying maybe Shadful Sainz going back to work with the American national team ahead of the World Cup. Any, any chance he's off? Or do you think this is just part of our ever-expanding uh, medical department? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, certainly when I was looking at the website this morning, it was quite interesting to see. You know, we've got, obviously, uh, the doctor and Colin Loon is there. He's the head of the medical department, I think. But, you know, uh, as I said in the blog, you know, there's uh, two first-team physios, strength and conditioning mm-hmm. coach, masseurs, 
assistant fitness coaches, you know, so it could well be a case that in order to improve our fitness issues even further, we're looking to augment what we already have rather than replace anybody. And I think the way that this guy is going to arrive at the club, it's going to be... Uh, he's going to come for a while, then he's going to go back to Port Adelaide and supervise some of their fitness training uh, later this year. So I don't think he's coming in straight away uh, to to stay in London. I think he's going to be a bit back and forth over the the first part of his uh, time at the club. So if that's the case, it would be strange if someone were to... Uh, were to go. But I mean, there was obviously a lot of discussion over Tony Colbert, who's been there for, for quite a while. And there were suggestions that maybe his fitness methods, the way that he did did things were a little bit, a bit Sergeant Major-ish, a bit like the kind of fitness training we might have done when we played football when we were kids, that kind of th- yeah. stuff. Um, whereas obviously the whole, the whole area has uh, expanded greatly over the years in terms of, uh, you know, one size fits all doesn't work as a fitness uh, program because you, you're obviously going to have certain players who will respond better to certain kinds of training, etc., etc. I think we've gone that way with, with Shad Forsyth. Um, so it might be a case that he's coming in to work with him. Yeah, I mean, that would be exciting if so. It's clearly, uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting, actually. You know, I sort of retweeted the the story saying that this guy had got the job and quite a lot of Aussie fans got in touch to say quite how highly regarded this guy is. So it's clear his reputation precedes him. So yeah. I think we've got to look at it as, as good news. Really. Yeah, I got that as well. Like, m- more emails and messages uh, through various platforms over the weekend on this story than I would have had for for lots of stories and all of the uh, the people who know about him in Australia, people who are aware of his work, say that he is absolutely top class, and this could be a really really great uh, appointment by Arsenal. So I think it goes, you know, certainly goes beyond uh, you know people in Australia being happy that there's an Australian person coming to work for Arsenal. They just speak very very highly of him and his professional ability. So that that is a, it's a positive thing, I guess. The first yeah. part of the catalyst for change. Well, maybe. And and the thing is, when we talk about performance and we talk about these kind of appointments, I think as Arsenal fans, inevitably, we think about prevention of injury. And that's Mm. kind of where it ends. But in reality, it's all about obtaining maximum performance, you know, on the field as well and being able to be explosive and, you know, have that kind of stamina and keep going again. And I think that, you know, when you look at the teams who've been really successful in the Premier League and Chelsea last season, for example, they're they're in outstanding physical shape. So hopefully that's something that we can look forward to seeing with this Arsenal team next season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And of course, Arsenal are going to be in Australia in pre-season. The first couple of games uh, Mm. in pre-season take place in Australia. So there's there's a thing as well. Another thing I watched this weekend, James, I watched John Wick 2. Oh, yeah. The sequel to John Wick Well, the clue is in the title, I guess. It really is. Now, I should say that John Wick, the first John Wick film, um, it it upset me. They killed a puppy. Do you remember? I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. All right. Well, I can assure people who don't like seeing puppies being killed, there's no puppy killing in this John Wick film. But there is a lot of killing of of pretty much everybody else. So if you like (laughs) punching, kicking... Driving, running, shooting, executing, and creative killing with pencils, then John Wick 2 is the film for you. I would recommend having a couple of drinks with it because it helps it sort of fly by, but you know, there's not a there's not a great deal of uh 
what's the word, plot or sure. anything like that. Character but development. There's No, exactly. There is a lot of action, though. A lot of killing and driving and punching and kicking and pencil murder. So there you go. Okay. Did you enjoy it? I, I did, yeah. It's one of those switch your brain off movies and just watch the violence and, okay. uh, and then forget about it. Sure, sure, sure. A bit like that match from the uh, from the Chinese Super League. Did you see that clip? Oh my of, goodness! Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did see this this morning. I'll let you explain. Well, it's it sounds very much like John Wick Two, basically. But <laughs> it, I think it's Oscar, isn't it? The former Chelsea yes. uh, midfielder who he he kicks a ball against chi- a Chinese player, so seemingly deliberately. Mm. Uh, and it just sparks an almighty scrap. But like, unlike anything we see in the, you know, in the Premier League, it's sort of like, you know, chest to chest or maybe face to face. But this, they're fully going for it, really. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no holding back. Thankfully, there were no pencils uh, for them to use. Well, absolutely. It absolutely. was it was hilarious, though, wasn't it? Because I think it, did he kick the ball twice? Yes, like, he did. Yeah, like one time he just booted it at a guy and it rebounded, and there was another guy coming in and he just booted it at him as well. Like that, <laughs> he's just like fuck. What the fuck am I doing here, playing football yeah. here? Um, it was tremendous. It was a great scrap. So yeah, you can find that, find that clip on the All old over uh, the internet, on the Twitters or the Facebooks and everything else. Um, so, uh, speaking of people wondering what they're doing playing football in various locations, I watched the Confederations Cup this weekend. Did you? You really had nothing else to do. I really, it was a low key one for me, to be honest with you. Right. Um, I, well, it was my birthday on Friday. Oh, and then I was so yes. Belated. over after that. Belated birthday greetings to you. I'm sure well, everybody uh, would join me in that. And people have been asking actually how you are because of the heat. But more importantly, um, how have you been since the grudge was lifted? Has anything happened to you? Has, has your mm-hmm. life taken on a shiny, happy uh, facade now? What, what's going well, on? No serious accidents have befallen me, so I, I guess in a way that is a kind of shiny, happy uh, scenario. Yeah. But no, nothing particularly outstanding has happened. I just haven't fallen in a hole or something. Baby, so, baby uh, steps here, little by little. Exactly, exactly. I don't want to run before I can walk because if I run, I'll probably break my knee or something <laughs> like that. Um, but anyway, so I watched the Confederations Cup, including our our dear Alexis Sanchez in action uh last night for Chile yeah. came off the bench set up well was heavily involved in two goals and then and also severely damaged his ankle or something in the process he uh, apparently twisted his ankle in training before the game mm. and uh, that's why he didn't start but uh, clearly having an ankle the size of an actual football is uh, no big bother to Alexis Sanchez he just played on it's pretty incredible, isn't it? I mean, there's photos of him after the game. I can't imagine it was it was quite like that before the game. But it, mm, is it I incredible or is it stupid? What what is it? Is is the is the desire to play, the willingness to put yourself through the through the ringer, to play through the pain, to overcome physical uh, incapacitation? The mind over matter, mental strength, the very epitome of mental strength. Is that a a quality that we should admire or is he just like a bit fucking dense and should <laughs> sit yeah. down and just get better what is it 
Well, he needs to be careful. If he does himself an injury, he could rule himself out of a, a big move this summer. Uh, but no, I mean, it's 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 troubling. It's troubling. You sh- he shouldn't be playing in that sort of condition. I mean, and, and to me, at least, the Confederations Cup is not the stage where you risk everything in order to make sure that you're out there. But it seems that Chile are taking it sort of much more seriously than, than I am. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah. Did you see the story in the, the Mirror on Sunday? Bayern Munich are afraid. They're afraid that Alexis Sanchez is pricing himself out of a move. So Arsenal will have to deal with uh, Manchester City. Poor old Bayern Munich. I felt very sorry for Bayern Munich, you know, because they, they, they don't have the kind of money to to sort of buy up the best players from Dortmund and all their other rivals to weaken them to make sure that the uh, Bundesliga is theirs once again, season after season after season. It's it's hard, isn't it, you know, to be it's Bayern Munich? Being Bayern. Mm. Yeah, they're lying there awake at night, gripped by this fear. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I mean, look, uh, it was good to see Alexis in action and he uh, he certainly had a massive impact but you have to think he's just damaged his chances of playing in the next game I mean knowing him he'll be out there on crutches doing some more damage to himself we, we like, shall see he's like the um, what's the Monty Python film you know where the guy keeps getting bits of him cut off he's the knight yeah, and he yeah, keeps yeah, getting yeah, bits yeah. Cut off. Oh, it's fine. Just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound. Yeah. He's hopping around, and no, you know that that's Alexis, basically. Um, but yeah, that is Alexis. What? And, um, but, but what? What else was happening in the Confederations Cup? Who else was playing? Well, I'll tell you who else I saw. A lovely little blast from the past. I saw Carlos Vela in action for Mexico against Portugal. Right. Uh, and Portugal appeared to have won the game, five minutes to go. Um, they went 2-1 ahead, but uh, Mexico grabbed a stoppage time equaliser. As you can imagine, Ronaldo absolutely thrilled about that. Um, so that was good to see. Ronaldo, is Ronaldo playing? Ronaldo's playing for Portugal. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck are they all doing in this thing? He's, he's putting himself in the shop window, Andrew. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, there's a thing. He wants to leave Real Madrid. I mean, w- were you um, slightly suspicious at how quickly the stories about him wanting to leave Real Madrid emerged following the story about the 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 tax issue that he has been presented with by the, the Spanish authorities? It's almost, to me... Almost as if perhaps he might be using this as a way to to get out, knowing that there's something on offer elsewhere that could help him, poor old him, you know, pay that little old tax bill. He's afraid. He's like Bayern Munich. He's afraid. And, <laughs> but I, 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 I think, to be honest, I think it might be even more cynical than that. I think it might be simply a question of... Uh, Flirting with the possibility of leaving to make Real Madrid step up and, you know, possibly foot the bill for him. I mean, let, Surely not. Know, yeah. I, I, <laughs> sorry for stating the obvious, but I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I mean, the other interesting thing about it is that people are talking about a fee of like £150 million pounds or something Come for on, a guy he's, who's he's... 30, I don't know, 33, I think, this year. Yeah, 32 now, that's for sure. Um... Yeah. Yeah, no, look, it's it's uh, it's hard not to be cynical about the whole thing. Um, and, and there's a precedent. I think Lionel Messi, who admittedly hadn't racked up quite such an extravagant tax bill, um, basically did a very similar thing with Barcelona, where he sort of said, oh, I'm a bit unhappy, maybe, I, maybe I'll head off. And then very soon he had a, a big new Barcelona contract that made those tax problems less of a concern. So 
I, I think we might see a similar thing happen with Ronaldo, surely. Unless Madrid say, well, this is our chance to get an awful lot of money for a player mm. who is in decline now and maybe we can reinvest that elsewhere in a certain French teenager. Joel taxi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's look, the whole thing is pretty grotty anyway, isn't it? You know, I find these, uh, you know, the footballers and their tax deals, and everyone says, well, you know, they they they're just trying to minimise their tax, blah blah blah. But you know, it's pretty horrible to see a guy fucking fourteen million pound tax bill that you've evaded that much tax. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to have any sympathy for for fucking him or anybody else or Real Madrid so you know it's just a, a gigantic big fucking fuck off to the rest of us um, with your I know. could you believe minutes. it he seemed like such a good guy I know <sighs> I know <laughs> seemed so selfless it did uh, he did um, shattered illusions yeah it really is another thing I watched James this weekend was Train Spotting 2 Ah, yes, which, like John Wick 2, is a, a sequel. It's a sequel to but the... But to train spotting this time. train spotting, yeah. 20 years later or whatever it is, uh, when they've, uh, you know, grown up and uh, Mark comes back to Edinburgh. Uh, Edinburgh looks fantastic in uh, in the film. I really like Edinburgh, I have it's to say. It's a beautiful city. It really is a beautiful city. Um, but as a, as a follow-up, as a film to... To enjoy, I can't really recommend it. To be honest, it's not great. Well, I mean, it doesn't. As a premise, it never particularly appealed to me because you know, train spotting was kind of so of its time. And to go back twenty years later and see all those characters having grown up just sounds a bit depressing to me, frankly. It is a bit depressing because you look at them and they sort of do juxtapose every now and again a little clip from the original. You see how young they looked, uh, oh, and really? you think, God, that must be the same for me. Yeah, and then you look in the mirror. <laughs> and it and is. You go, oh, God. <laughs> oh, there's the cops. Yeah, there's the cops. I mean, obviously, it's, uh, it's a bit dicey around here today. But, um, yeah, I uh, I haven't seen it. And I and following that, I, I won't. I'll stick to John Wick 2. Yeah, I would recommend John Wick 2 over Train Spotting 2 for sure. Although Begbie okay. remains a very scary, scary character. He's a, He's a bit mad. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's good. Good to see some things never change. This is true. This is true. Yeah. What else? What else is happening? David Ospina uh, linked with a move to the MLS by the esteemed Don Ballon. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they want to if they're prepared to pay more than three million pounds, I'm up for it. Well, I think oh, we should go on, what? I've just remembered, speaking of cheap goalkeepers, you must be incensed about uh, Juventus is four million pound bid for Wojciech Szczesny. They're not serious. That's not a serious bid. I would, I would go. I wouldn't even dignify it with a response, other than to look. You'd unleash John Wick on them. Oh, absolutely, and a, and a rake of pencils. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's pathetic. Uh, maybe they're just trying to take advantage of Arsenal. Maybe our lack of negotiation skills has become known across Europe. Maybe. They might think we're a bit of a soft touch in terms of how we let players go, and I think that's true to an extent. I don't think we we necessarily get the value for players that we should, particularly when you see other players uh, from other clubs go abroad for gigantic, gigantic money. Now, I know that uh, maybe Chelsea, I'm not saying they're money laundering, right? I just want to make that very clear. I'm sure, not sure, saying sure. that's the case. 
Okay, it good. Is I'm glad that's clear. Just so we can be clear about that. But you have to raise your eyebrows at some of the fees that they receive for players, even if they are going to the uh, extremely wealthy Chinese league uh, and elsewhere. But Juventus, if you want Wojciech Szczesny, you're going to have to pay an awful lot more than £4 million. Pounds. Um, and I don't think we should sell him anyway. I don't think we should either, but, mm. you know, it seems to be going that way. I mean, it is, is it, is it, is it quiet in Arsenal terms, or is this to be? I think this happens every year, doesn't it? This is sort of a, a standard dip, isn't it? We shouldn't be too alarmed by things uh, moving rather slowly at this point. No, I mean, look, people say Everton are spending lots and lots of money, which is true, but they're spending lots of money on players that we don't really want, right? I mean, yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess so. Jordan Pickford, thirty million pounds. Well, I mean, I think it's an eighteen million pound fee, and then twelve million pounds, you know, on add-ons and extras and and things like that. So it's a, an expensive, an expensive uh, goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford. He's twenty-two or twenty-three now, and uh, the most expensive British goalkeeper ever. Really, really. Hmm. Yeah, I think by some distance, actually, I can't think who would even come close as a British keeper. But uh, I don't know. Is it Craig Gordon? Darren Anyone's- Walker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, did you see the front page of that the bastion of truth that is Marker today? I did not. Please tell me what's happening. Uh, according to Marker, uh, Kylian Mbappe has declared that he will go to Madrid or nowhere. And this was communicated to Monaco at a dinner in Parma, Mallorca. He met with the owner... I believe it was, uh, the president of Monaco, and told him uh, he, he wishes to go to Real Madrid. Uh, and, uh, yes, Marco now expect that move to happen this summer. Right. Now, that's what Marco would say, isn't it? It is exactly what they would say. Uh, apart from, you know, Madrid is all-powerful, all-knowing, hail Madrid. Um, yeah, I mean, that that is the angle that they take. Uh, it's Madrid or nothing. Uh, I, I don't think they can even countenance the idea that a player might want to go anywhere other than Real Madrid. That you know, why wouldn't you want to go to Real Madrid? And it's a good question. In fairness, it is a good question. Why would a... you want to go to Arsenal, or Real Madrid? Well, I tell you, you know, I I wouldn't want to go to Real Madrid if I was a footballer. If I was a top footballer, I would ch- I would turn down a move to Real Madrid. Let's imagine, James, that I am an 18-year-old prodigy central defender like a Beckenbauer, like okay. a Tony Adams. Like, a Rob Holding. Like a Rob Holding. If Real Madrid came to sign me and I had the option to sign for pretty much any club in Europe and Real Madrid came in and said, we want to sign you, I would say, thank you very much indeed, Real Madrid, for your interest. I'm very flattered. You're a great club with a remarkable history and more European Cups than anybody else. Fantastic stadium. Madrid is a a beautiful city. But no, I will not join you. Do you want to know why? I I could hazard a guess. Go on. Is it because you want to be a hero in Barcelona? No, not necessarily Barcelona. It's because... I don't want to live somewhere where uh, the the sea isn't. I have to live by the sea. And uh, what if? Okay. And so right. if you if Madrid are deter if they're that determined to sign you, they will get you a sea. They would have to create. A they have sea. to build you a sea in Madrid. Yeah, but it wouldn't be the real sea, you see. So I'd, I'd still say no. I'd have to go. No, I need to be somewhere much closer to the coast. 
That's authentic why Bar- C. Yeah, exactly. That's why Barcelona would indeed be uh, the perfect choice for me because, you know, I love Barcelona as a city and I've lived there and uh, it is right by the seaside. You can go north to beaches. You can go south to beaches. There is a beach there in the city itself. It's not the greatest beach, but it's a lot better than it was uh, in the past. They've improved it greatly over the years. Um, so, you know, that's that's the, the key factor for me is the seaside. Now, I know London isn't necessarily on the seaside either. I mean, I'd certainly play for, for Arsenal. Well, I was going to say, does this rule Arsenal out? Well, it wouldn't because of my uh, affiliation for Arsenal, but I couldn't be, you know, you're not far really from the sea, from London. You know, it's not, it's a bit of a drive or a train journey, but you know, you're not, you're not miles away. Madrid is just there in the middle of Spain, which is essentially a fucking desert. Yeah, arid. It is quite arid indeed. If you look at the Google Maps thing, I always like that. When you look at the Google Earth thing and you see Spain and the the very uh, uh, northwest of Spain is all green in Galicia, um, you know, off that Atlantic coast, it's it's green. And then all of a sudden it just gets just brown, browner and browner and brown. And And, uh, I need a bit more need a little bit more green. I need the sea air, James. To, to play my best football, I need the sea air. Do you think Kylian Mbappe may, may also need the sea air? Yeah, because he's, he's been living in Monaco. Exactly. He's right by the sea. Has he thought this through? No, but this is it. This is our chance. This is how we make it happen. We tell him, look, mate, there's no fucking sea in but Madrid. But we haven't got a sea. We've got the Thames. <laughs> Just give him some armbands and chuck him in the Thames. That'll make him happy. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, that that could be our only chance. There's, you could say, look, Norfolk is just over there, and then there's all kinds of sea just beyond it. It's not the greatest sea. I mean, it's the what's the North Sea? Is that what that is? The North Sea? Yeah, I don't know. There's all sorts of sea. I mean, I wouldn't get in any of the seas around this country. I'm not mental. But yeah, it's fucking freezing. It is it's freezing. Horrible. Freezing. Yeah. yeah, I do like the Atlantic now. If you go west coast of Ireland, you can go to the Atlantic and and uh, it's refreshing. Like, it's a hangover cure. If you if you get in the sea in Ireland uh, after a night out and get smashed around by the big Atlantic waves, you just don't have, uh, you just don't have any uh, hangover when you come out of it. But Yeah. yeah. It was because you're thinking about the more immediate problem of having been in the Atlantic Sea, I guess, yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, look, I, so look, Madrid th- seems to think he's going there. Um, time will tell, I guess. We don't know. Marco could be lying. They could be telling the truth. We don't know. We just don't know. Uh, the other thing that uh, we should just touch on very briefly before we finish this part is the fixtures. We haven't spoken since the fixtures oh, came yeah. out last week. Uh, tricky start to the season. Hard start, <laughs> I mm. think. Hard start. It's the away trips, as I recall it. I'm having a look now. But... Uh, First of all, we have to play Chelsea like three times in about as many weeks, don't yeah. we? Yeah, that's bullshit. All this like uh, pre-season playing Chelsea. What the fuck? You shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be playing Chelsea in pre-season. I don't think. Fuck that. You shouldn't be playing another Premier League team, and we shouldn't be playing Bayern Munich in pre-season either. What are we trying to that? do to ourselves? What is that about? Like, did nobody fucking see what happened last time we played Bayern Munich? I know it's a friendly and everything, but Jesus, what? I mean, Just yeah. what? Who decided that? They need a good slap, whoever that is. Who's the head of f- fixtures? Who's head of preseason? Do we need a? Maybe we need that person in charge of stuff. Yeah, 
I agree. Or maybe they need to go in the mm. shake in the back in the in you know in the big shake up that's happening this summer. But anyway, it's the so we start with Leicester at home on the opening day. That could be much worse. You know, that's relatively uh friendly, isn't it, as a as a fixture. Mm. Mm. But then it's Stoke away. That was Stoke away is easy now. We've broken the hoodoo. We smashed them four one last season. Stoke away is now easy, I think. Okay. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's finished. Whatever whatever they had over us, it's done. Finished. Over. The crook, the hoodoo, like the grudge I lifted against you last week, very kindly, <laughs> uh, is now gone. So I'm not worried about Stoke away. Liverpool away, bit more, bit more tricky. Right. Okay. Well, then it's Liverpool away. Then Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth at home again. The home the home games aren't that bad. Then it's the first Europa League game followed. By Chelsea away. And yeah. I suppose that brings us on to the other tricky thing about the fixture list, which is that so many of our Europa League ties are, are followed by away trips. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, it's, what, five of six, is it? The look of the draw. I guess that's a way of... I suppose it will have to uh, define our our plan or our strategy for the Europa League to, to a certain extent, that if you're looking at away games against Everton, against Chelsea, against Southampton, I can't remember who the other two are. Um, they're not easy as far as I remember, but Burnley, I think, is one as well. They were very good at home last season, if I remember. Yeah. So if you know that you're going to face those teams uh, away from home in the Premier League, which has to be your priority, then you're going to have to think very carefully about the kind of team that you select for the Europa League. And, I, you know, I've, I've uh, spoken about it before. I think we should take the Europa League seriously, like a trophy that we can win. Arsenal don't have a huge amount of European trophies in the cabinet, and this is a chance of, of uh, competing for one. But I think at the same time, we've got to use it in a way that gets the most out of our squad. Um, and we know he doesn't necessarily like rotating a huge amount, but I think we're going to have to for the Europa League, particularly for the group stages when the the likely opposition is not going to be particularly difficult. Well, that's it. Do not think we can rotate... Uh we can rotate and yet still make it through the group stage. We sh- surely, you know, I think most teams uh, of our size have been able to do that, haven't they? We've, we mm. should have a squad capable uh, of making plenty of changes and still coming through the group stage. And then maybe once we get through to the knockouts, we have to, you know, put the first team out. I mean, yeah. th- that would probably be my suggestion, especially given those tricky away trips that you mentioned. Mm. Well, there you go. We're already thinking about next season and uh, we haven't even considered what we're going to do with the next part of this podcast. So, well, I know. Well, we better have a think. Should we have a break? Have yeah, a think about we'll it. do that. We'll come back with your questions and more in part two right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. The Heat James is making your laptop sing. We can hear its it, fan fanning away there like crazy. I know. And yet the fan of the laptop is providing no relief for me. Infuriating. Yeah. I've got the window open here, actually. I have got the window open too. Fortunately, that was the sirens earlier. I mean, I thought about closing it, but I thought I genuinely might die in the course of this podcast. And, mm. you know, nobody needs that except Arsenal. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Um, before we get on to the questions, Jack Wilshire got married at the weekend. He did. Congratulations. Uh, congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Wilshire. Danny Welbeck was there, by all accounts. Right. Was that, uh, was that it? Was he the only one? or? I don't know. He was just the one mentioned in the brief article I read about it. You know, I don't like to pry too much into people's private lives. But there is something of note at this wedding, which is that apparently Jack Wilshire hired none other than Craig David to do a special performance at his wedding. Craig David! Yeah. (laughs) Of Bo Selector fame. Mm. What do you make of that? Do you approve of Craig David as a choice of wedding entertainment? Hey, look, you know, people can like what they like when it comes to music, mostly. (laughs) <laughs> there are some exceptions, right? There are, there are some exceptions. Yeah, look, uh, I can't say that I'm a big Craig David fan. I wouldn't, I right. wouldn't put myself in that bracket. But you know, to each their own. He could have played his, you know, he could have played his hit. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did play all, all, all the hit. Oh. <laughs> Craig David's greatest hit. <laughs> uh, the hit of Craig David. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure it was a tremendous bash, and you know. Jack Wilshere, let's let's enjoy him while we can, because mm. I don't think he's going to be an Arsenal player in about a month's time. Well, let's see, let's see. Um, we'll have to we'll have to just wait and see what happens. Um, whether there's any interest for him, or whether he's interested in leaving, or interested in staying, we will find out in in due course. But will we uh, will we get on to the questions? I think we should get on to the questions rather than talk about Craig David's uh, greatest hit album, which is also a single. It's unique in that regard. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, yes, let's. Have you got a question? Uh, yeah, I do. I saw people talking about this over the weekend. I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention. Actually, Petr Cech was on Twitter. He was uh, discussing things with fans um, uh, and answering questions uh, on maybe Saturday evening or Sunday evening. I can't remember. Okay. Anyway, but uh, he's. Uh, this comes from John, who's at Ormi88. And he says, thoughts on the possible introduction of 30-minute halves? It makes sense to me, but I'm not sure I like it. This is the suggestion that there would be a defined amount of playing time. Rather than a 45-minute half, you get 30 minutes of definite playing time. And then when the ball goes out of play, uh, the the clock stops. Yeah. I'd be interested to see it trialled in, you know, some nonsense tournament like the Confederations Cup, for example to see how it how it went on. I suppose it would solve kind of the time-wasting issue, you know, the one that we encounter frequently yeah. as Arsenal fans. You know, goalkeepers taking too long over the goal kicks, uh, moving the ball needlessly to the other side, and invariably what happens is that we end up paying the price for it later in the game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see that trial. I've no idea if 30 minutes with the ball stopping when the ball went out of play would equate to sort of the same amount of playing time roughly as 45. Do you know I, what I mean? I, I, think I haven't got a gauge get, on that. I think we would get more because they would say, I, I, 
could be wrong, but they were saying the average amount of actual playing time in a 45-minute half is about 26, 27 minutes. Right. So you're not... Um, you're not losing anything. In fact, you could be gaining more actual football if this were to be implemented. The only thing about that when you talk about the time-wasting thing is then you also are deprived of that moment when the goalkeeper who's been time-wasting the entire game and finally lets one in, all of a sudden can move with the speed of a peregrine falcon, the fastest animal on the planet, uh, and starts taking his goal kicks with great haste uh, Mm -hmm. while we all laugh. I think that would be a shame to lose that, but, you know. That's one of the great football moments, isn't it? Yeah, especially when he's already been booked and then he suddenly starts racing around. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd be intrigued to see. I mean, you know, imagine if they didn't make the change. That would mean someone someone somewhere would score a goal in, like, the 43rd minute and it would be, like, the last 43rd minute goal ever. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, There'd that's history, no... yeah. That's... Yeah, that's, that's history, I guess. Yeah. But, like, uh, what, what, what do you think? Would you be up for it? Um, like you say, I'd, I'd like to see it trialled. It feels like a very, very fundamental change to the way that we watch the game and understand the game and the way that the game is played. Um, so... I mean, one thing I would say is if the, if the clock keeps stopping every time it goes out of play, is there a risk that players sort of luxuriate in those moments and actually it slows the game down because it's like there's no yeah. impetus to hurry up hurry up and get on with the game yeah it could well do it could well do and how does it then become implemented across football as we know it because literally any team in the world or any group of 22 players can start a clock and, and go to 45 minutes and play 45 minutes you know mm. what what are the knock-on effects for the for the for the game at lower levels as well i think that's something they'd have to consider also but um yeah i don't know exactly where these things have come from i didn't quite pay enough attention over the weekend to see whether this was fifa or whether this was the fa or who it was that was uh, i think it's marco van basten is it? In his, some sort of role. Yeah, I know he had crazy ideas. He had these crazy ideas a few weeks ago, or no, a few months ago, about certain changes that could be, be implemented, but I didn't see his name mentioned. Oh, maybe not, maybe no. not. I, 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 uh, I must say, by the way, speaking of rule changes, they're using VAR, Video Assistant Referees, in the Confederations Cup, and it's been interesting watching that in action. Uh it, it's very if you're very if you're used to watching football, it's not like the goal line technology. You know the very clear like it's over the line or it's not. And even in this Chile match uh, against Cameroon, there were two instances where well, there's one instance where Chile thought they'd scored through Vargas. It was they were all celebrating, and then the goal was ruled out, and there was a lot of confusion. Mm. And then similarly, when I think he scored, I think it was the same player scored again later in the game. Uh, the goal was ruled out, then ruled back on. Oh. Um, mm. And in both instances, the decision was ultimately right. But the the lack of clarity definitely affected it as a kind of spectacle. Do you mm. know what I mean? Is it, I mean, is this something we're just going to have to get used to? or I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was interesting looking at my sort of Twitter timeline and seeing the different responses of people. I, I, I know that... People in the stadium said that they found it incredibly unclear and incredibly confusing. Mm. But then ultimately it does give you the right result. So maybe it will become a more smooth process because in theory it makes perfect sense to use 
what the video that you have available to ensure the right decision is made. Yeah. But in practice, it was really slowing things down and I think tempering the the exuberance of those moments, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, okay, well, look, we'll have to see uh, how and when these things ever um, get implemented into the game. But uh, mm. again, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. I think you have to try it and see if it works. And if not, um, let's not do it. So, another question? Yeah. This is from Michael Elot, whose whose Twitter handle is also Michael Elot. Uh, and he asks, with the Mbappe chase looking dangerously like it will turn into a Suarez-esque saga, should we just sign Lacazette now? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Why somebody... Uh... Somebody asked me over the weekend, and again, because I've been looking at Twitter through slightly uh, beer-fueled eyes over the weekend, sure. I can't remember who it was, but he was asking, I think, why why people are so down on Lacazette, a player who scored 36 goals last season, mm. uh, a player who scored, I think, almost 100 goals in the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, is there a bit of, like, inbuilt prejudice against him for for whatever reason? Um and look, he obviously looks a, a useful player, but I do wonder um, if we were really that interested or convinced of his quality, why we wouldn't have gone from before now. And that's what makes gives me pause for thought. When we could have had him for 20 million or 30 million, are we really going to pay 60 million for him? Um, so I don't know if we should go for him, to be honest. He could come to England and tear the place up and have the peak years of his career, but the doubts that I would have over him still playing in Liga at 26 years of age, uh, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily shake them. So I, to me, it would still feel like a bit of an underwhelming signing. And if it was 60 million pounds, I'd feel like we'd overpaid for him. Uh, maybe, but then, uh, you know, I think that's what strikers seem to be costing at the moment. I mean, it, I know it sounds like an awful lot of money, especially when he was available possibly cheaper than that mm. last summer. I think maybe some of the doubts over him are because he hasn't made a breakthrough at international level. I mean, mm. Olivier Giroud is still France's number one striker and we're talking about Lacazette coming in to replace him. I know he's stylistically very different. I suppose if you wanted to mount a case for him, you would mount the case that he seems to be... If Arsene Wenger has become convinced by him, maybe it's just purely on account of his consistency. You know, initially maybe he thought this is a one-season wonder, but he's come back time after time and scored 20-plus goals. I think it's mm. three or four years on the trot now. Um, maybe Arsene Wenger's seen something there in that, in his ability to keep doing it, that makes him think he could be worth the money. I, uh, I, I also have that sort of slight hesitation of... Why haven't we gone for him before? But equally, I can't pluck out many other names of strikers who we should be looking at. Okay, well, here's what, here's a question from Tokyo Gooner, who's at Tokyo underscore Gooner. And he says, what do you think the difference is between Aubameyang and Welbeck? And would you like to sign him? Is is Aubameyang, I, I, I think you know the, <laughs> the pretty obvious difference between Aubameyang and Welbeck. Um, yeah. But is he not a player that we should be looking at? I think he absolutely is. I mean, literally, as I was saying that about Lacazette, I've been thinking this for a couple of weeks, actually, that it is curious that he's not being linked more closely with Arsenal. I mean, it, there's talk of him being available for sort of 60, 70 million pounds. I know PSG 
have been reported to be on the case and maybe you know if that's all agreed between the player and the club maybe we're not going to get into that fight but he looks like a an absolutely ideal fit to my mind and someone who has you know the speed that Lacazette offers but that finishing touch and that bit of class as well I think he is a little notch above Lacazette so mm. yeah he would he would absolutely be on be on my list um it, I imagine yeah. the same would be true for you right yeah true and I think it's you know we can all look at Mbappe and hope but you know there's a there's a lot um that goes against that deal in many ways as well. Obviously, the fact that we're not in the Champions League, the price of it, the fact that he's only 18 is a huge risk to sign a player for the amount of money that it would take. Um, but Aubameyang would be... A, I don't think it's unrealistic. I think the Champions League thing might hurt us, but I don't think it's. it makes it impossible. And it feels like a relatively... Uh, realistic signing financially we're capable of doing it we can pay him what he wants to be paid Uh, we can bring him into a team that hopefully can then challenge for the Premier League get back into the Champions League next season Uh, he would be an exciting player to add to this Arsenal squad you know assuming making the big assumption that we can keep everybody that we want to keep you know to have him as the spearhead of the attack I mean that would be a great signing yeah but do you think I don't know, but do you think for Arsene Wenger maybe age might be a factor? I mean, Aubameyang, I think, is a couple of years older than Lacazette. He's 28, just turned 28 yesterday, mm. in fact. So, you know, he's, he's not that much younger than an Alexis, say. There's not going to be any residual value at all, really, to Aubameyang. Like, if he signs for us, we're never going to recoup anything like that kind of money. No, do you but... Think that could- I mean, I don't care about that. No, don't I don't care about that either. I think that's the the reality. That's an investment. You're investing in your team. Um, you don't necessarily invest in players to to just sell them on. I know certain clubs do that and do that very well. That's how they survive. I don't think we're in 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 any need to do that. That if anymore. No, yeah. <laughs> no anymore. Of course, but you know, if you spend sixty, seventy million pounds on Aubameyang and he helps you win the Premier League title next season then who gives a fuck if we don't get anything for him when he's sold? And I think the other thing that we we tend to think of as well is that like somehow the age of 30, it's like Logan's run, where the players are just taken off and fucking killed. Um, you know, players last longer Ars- these Ars- days. Arsavenga taught us that. Yeah, yeah exactly. well, he did to an extent. That. You know, he did to an extent. But I think that players physically last longer these days at the top level, that they're more capable of producing. I mean, Lauren Koscielny is 32, 30, nearly 33, and nobody's talking about him as being over the hill or anything like that. Um, so, you know, I, I think we have to sort of put those things to one side, and he would be a really, really interesting signing for me. And if we're not sniffing around there, then there's something wrong. Yeah, I mean, Lionel Messi's a year older, almost exactly, than Aubameyang. And uh, he doesn't look too bad for it. In fact, two years older, I think. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it, it's the big one that we haven't really been linked with that I can't make sense of. You know, if Morata's going to United, Lukaku's going to uh, Chelsea, it seems, that I'd, I'd love to see us go in for Aubameyang. I don't know how, how, how serious those links with PSG are, but mm. we should definitely be in the mix. Um, yeah, so that's another one for the list. What, let's have another question. Yeah. It's another transfer one, actually. Um, unsurprisingly, this time of year. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, yes, Daniel Fitzpatrick, who's at Fitzpatrick underscore DF on Twitter. Would you take back Sanya as possible backup for Bellerin for next season? No. Nope. No, not at all. He's available on a free transfer? No interest? No. 
No. Do you want me to explain just, or? Uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, I think he's just too old now. I don't think he can play. If we're going to play three at the back, I don't think he can play as a wing back. And we had our time together. Arsenal and Bakary Sanya. It was a nice time. I liked him a lot. I thought he was a good player. Uh, who always gave us consistency and always gave 100%, uh, had some fantastic performances for us. When his contract ended, he chose to go a different way, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, I will remember him fondly as an Arsenal player, but I, I think we need to to be a bit more um, forward-thinking. That's why. Yeah, I would concur. He's actually older than I realised. He'll be 35 next season. Well, there then, yeah. Uh, and I also think if we are going to stick with three at the back, he's someone who, you're right, would, would seem a more obvious fit at centre-half than at wing-back. Mm. I do think what we do with the right wing-back spot, there is there is a little bit of debate to be had there because obviously we've got Hector Bellerin, but you would imagine that Debussy and Jenkinson will be off. Mm. And then do you go into next season with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as your as your backup for Bellerin, or do you need someone who's more of a specialist in that area? Is Ox going to be played more in the centre? Is Ox even going to be at Arsenal? Um, so I think, you know, there is a little question mark over that position as, as a Bellerin's deputy. Yeah. I don't necessarily think Sanya is the answer. Sorry, I'm just leaving a break. I'm just going to call you back on this. You're just getting a bit choppy, so I'm just going to hang up and call you back. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear you. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, all right. Yeah, you're all right there. Uh, okay, here's another question. About a, another transfer question, but at this time about a player who's being linked with a move away from the club. Magnus Holmberg, at Magnus underscore Holmberg, wants to know, do you really think Giroud could be on his way out? First choice for the French national team and still not rated by many Arsenal fans. Pondering face emoji. The pondering face emoji strikes again. Mm. I mean, I, I've been quite clear that I want him to stay because I just think that he he does really offer something very effective from the substitutes bench and someone who can change the dynamic of games and change the dynamic of the team. He, however, his status as France's first-choice striker, he might feel that's under some threat, uh, especially if an Mbappe or a Lacazette rocks up in North London and takes his place. So maybe he would be on the move, but... I don't know. I mean, can you see him signing for a West Ham, say? Um, would be surprising to me if he went to West Ham. Uh, it would only be because he, if he really, really, really likes living in London. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that would be a, a real step down for him, I think. You know, he could go back to France and play for, well, who could he play for? Marseille, Marseille. I've been mentioned. Leon, of course, as part of a swap deal for Lacazette. But swap deals so rarely happen that it's it's hard to take that that seriously. There was a story in Le Keep over the weekend where they said basically Arsene Wenger is not counting on Giroud as part of his plans for, for next season, which would indicate that we're willing to let him go if the right offer came in. But like you said, you know, he does have that ability to to give you something different, to come off the bench, to provide uh, an aerial threat, a physical threat up front. Um you know, I, I would, unless the offer was really good, I'd keep him till January at least and then just see how the team is. But again, it depends on who comes in. Let's say, let's say crazy idea, we do buy Obama Yang. We've got Obama Yang and we've got Danny Welbeck as our two strikers. Then would Giroud be 
content to be third choice there? I don't think so. And we know Arsene Wenger will never get in the way of a player if he really wants to leave or if he feels that the player is not going to play, he will he will let him go. Um, yeah. So, and as yeah. mentioned, he, he you know he does like to try and get a few quid for people when he can, and he probably sees this as potentially the last opportunity to kind of get any a decent feedback for Giroud. So yeah, I would like to see him stay. I slightly fear that if someone does come in, uh, maybe he will be pushed out. But I think, you know, you talk about him there as third choice. For me, it's not really a question of third choice. It's like you want Welbeck and Giroud at your disposal because you want to be able to do something different they offer different attributes you know mm. and with when you've got seven substitutes you can kind of afford that and I think he's a very effective tool so I, <laughs> I would like to keep him a very effective tool he's an effective tool old Dolly he's yeah. going to put that on the back of his uh, autobiography Olivier Giroud <laughs> a very effective tool um, yeah all right let's have another question um, oh you might dismiss this one out of hand. It's from Jesse Cool, who's at Virtual Evil on Twitter. Uh, and they asked, do you think any Arsenal players could have hidden release clauses contingent on Champions League qualification, i.e. Hector Bellerin? No. You think we'd have safeguarded against that? We wouldn't have put we wouldn't have assumed top four qualification? No. No, no way. Just can't I see that that's right. can't see that that's uh, possible, even in the slightest. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any worries over that at all, at all. No, and I think if they were out there, we'd probably be hearing a lot about them being leaked via agents and what have you. So yeah. I think we we must have known with the top four becoming so competitive, it would be you know tantamount to self sabotage to put clauses like that in people's deals. All right, Adam Richards, who is at OMG, OGRVP. Oh my God. Oh, my God. Own goal, Robin Van Persie. I like it. Nice. Oh, yes. Very good, Adam Richards. Uh, he wants to know, uh, with the increase of backroom staff at Arsenal, what ideal job title would you give yourselves to improve the club? Wow. Uh, head of sharpness, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Director of handbrake. Yeah. <laughs> Director of handbrake is a great one. Um yeah, I don't know. What what else would be out there? I, I, uh, think, uh, I think I'd like to become head of stuff and things. Stuff and things. Just overseeing stuff, you yeah, know? Yeah, and things. Not just stuff, though. Things. What does your day-to-day job entail? Well, look, I have to manage stuff and things. So nice. it's pretty wide-ranging there. I could take care of all kinds of stuff and things by being the head of stuff and things at Arsenal. Cool. I think if I could choose any job, I think I would give myself the title Transfer Man. Transfer <laughs> Man. Yeah. We have appointed a new Transfer Man, and I would just walk around with briefcases full of money, turn up in Dortmund, and come back with Aubameyang and be a, a hero to all Arsenal fans. Oh, uh, shake yeah. Arsenal's hand and say, there you go. Don't worry what it cost. It's, don't worry how big a briefcase of money it was. It got done. Transfer Man. Oh, right. That's brilliant. So you're Transfer Man, and I'm head of stuff and things. I just don't think I just don't see how we could fail how we this is this is the way forward clearly finally these are the changes to the board people have been crying out for in some ways James you could say that this would truly be the catalyst for a change (laughs) I think we just experienced it right now live on the podcast yeah people were trying to figure out what the hell does that even mean and we have come up with it so there you go so everybody um, you know lobby lobby for us uh, to become uh, part of the backroom setup at Arsenal, and we will ensure 
that uh, the club is successful, Champions Leagues, Premier Leagues, whatever you want to win, we'll make it happen because we're that good. I agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, finally, the football expertise everyone wants. Yeah, exactly. On board yeah, two, two fucking podcasters. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, we're pulling our weight. Uh, okay, I've got the big question that everyone will be wondering about in these sweltering conditions. Right. It's from Mike, who's at MikeCH442 on Twitter. And he asks simply, ice lolly or ice cream? Oh, it depends. On mm. what circumstances? I actually don't know the answer to this. I think it's a very good question. I think I might fudge my answer and say, I don't mind a combination. So, like, like a, a Twister, say, or a Solero, where they're fusing elements of ice lolly with elements of ice cream. The classic super split. Remember? The orange super split. Oh, like it was part lolly, and then you buy it in a little bit further down, and it's got some, it's got some ice cream in it. Um, yeah. That works really well for me. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, though, if it comes right down to it, I like a good ice cream cone not necessarily the the 99 you know the, I, I, they're whippy. okay and mr whippy he comes around in his van we've got a guy going around here we've got like we've got about three ice cream vans that go around my area i'm absolutely convinced that they sell drugs i'm yeah absolutely because they're they're they go around all year long and all of a sudden i'm sitting up here in my office and here And it just, it, it goes around the neighborhood and who the fuck buys ice cream in the middle of winter? Nobody. But you buy like a little baggie of fucking grass or whatever. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. They're hiding in plain sight. I was thinking about this the other day. I heard an ice cream van going around with a similar kind of, I almost called it a ringtone, but a similar tune to that coming out of it. And I thought, imagine if you drive that van, how annoying that sound must become. Mm. Yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying for uh, for us to hear it just once or twice a day. Exactly, but they're driving around all day with that. Anyway, that's the life that they've chosen, so fuck them. Anyway, yeah. I'm going back to the ice cream cone thing. Like a 99 with a flake is great, but you know when you go uh, uh, abroad on the continent, you get the, 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 the nice crunchy cones with all the different types of ice cream flavors that yeah. they have, your classic Italian gelatos and all that kind of stuff. Pistachio so, flavor, yeah, love um, that. Yeah, minty, fudgy, whatever. I don't... You you know, there's all kinds of things there. Mango ice cream I had in Spain last year, and it was bloody lovely. Um, but I would prefer one of those because you get the, the 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 coolness of the ice cream, but also the crunchiness of a cone, which is sort of like bread, and bread is great. So I would have I would have the cone ice cream over an ice cream or an ice lolly. I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sticking with my. Ideally, I want to fuse it. I don't want to. I don't have to choose between the two. It's like Sophie's choice. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it. No. Right. Okay. Here- <laughs> Sorry, guys. To be a spoil sport. <laughs> Here's one from Facebook. It comes from Ryan Hovinga, who says, "Hi, Andrew and James. What would your top five choices be to replace Fly Emirates as the shirt sponsor if the deal is not renewed in the next two years?" Will it also? influence the naming of the stadium or is it just the shirt I think it's just the shirt because the stadium is till 2028 or something like that so there's no point even thinking about that okay hmm I mean I don't know if JVC can afford it anymore can they from a from a nostalgic point of view I'd love to see JVC get back in the game hmm does anyone buy JVC stuff anymore what do they do I had a JVC telly for years um, yeah, I don't know what they're sort of specialising in these days. Headphones, I think. 
Oh, right. Stereos, that sort of audio stuff. Yeah, I, I uh, always thought the, I, you know, I always thought the Apple logo would look particularly swish on the Arsenal shirt. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I I loved the way the O2 logo looked because it looked to me like it was part of the kit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was just that that white ring fitted perfectly um, with the brand. But you're living the in the past here, man. That you've gone JVC and O2. We've had them. Well, I know. He's I'm trying asking, to get the glory days back. Yeah, but he's asking you, come on, think of something. Think outside the box. I mean, obviously, obviously, Hamon Ruffles would be an amazing shirt sponsor for Arsenal to have. That would be great. I'm looking at the logo, logo now. It's predominantly red and white, actually. Yeah. So even aesthetically, it would fit. Yeah. Canon would be quite good. Yeah, 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 Canon. True. Yeah. I'd like Canon. Um, who else could we have? Uh, that's a good question. It is I'm a good question. I'm trying to think. What other, what yeah, other? because every time you would mention one a company or a brand or something, people would say, oh, but they're evil. They're, they're owned by a conglomerate who starve babies and stuff, you know, um, so you've got to We could do the careful. Barcelona thing, you know, the charity thing. That's that's a, that's an option, I guess. But then how do you pick a cause? It's complicated. It's ethically complex. It certainly is. Uh, maybe no logo at all would be the best logo. Wouldn't that be? Ah, uh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Or arse blog, stick a big arse blog A on there, you know, a bit of advertising <laughs> for the site. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure we could afford that. We'll have to crowdfund it a little bit, I think, you know, to the tune oh, of whatever. Fine. Hundreds of millions it costs to <laughs> sponsor the Arsenal shirt, but but there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Hamon Ruffles is a good one. I, I'd like to see that emblazoned on Arsenal shirt. I'm sure it's the kit launch this week, isn't it, on Wednesday? Yeah. Um, that would be a lovely surprise if Emirates has been replaced by Hamon Ruffles yeah. on a new kit. Duff beer would be a good one as well, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> then we could have Duff Man. What, uh, replace Gunnosaurus? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or he could just be in a, a, a part of the crew. So we could have Gunnosaurus, Head of Stuff and Things, Transfer Man and Duff Man. That sounds like a great cartoon series, doesn't yeah. it? All those guys hanging out solving mysteries together. <laughs> I, I uh, In a special van of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> I... Uh, I can't believe this, but I shared my birthday with Gunnosaurus. But you're 31 and he's, what? Millions of years Millions old. of years old. I know, but on he, my birthday that he was celebrating, according to the Arsenal official Twitter page, he was celebrating his birthday too. Uncanny. Wow. Suspicious almost. It is. Are you Gunnosaurus? No. All right. <laughs> good, good. Right, <laughs> not. All right. Have you got one more? I think I haven't, actually. I think all right. I'm all out. Okay, well, uh, Poe a Tree, who's at Gun, Gun XRS, uh, wants to know, what podcasts do you guys listen to? Really good question. Uh, Adam Buxton? Yes. Big fan. Adam Buxton, you got to listen. Actually, Adam Buxton podcast is or has one of the top three catchiest theme tunes of all time mm, mm. it's definitely in the top three do you want to know what the other two are go on the other two and it d depends on um your mood as to which one is is catchier there's a show called the unbreakable kimmy schmidt have you ever seen oh, yeah. that yeah 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 that is unbelievably earwormy it sticks in your head it's a nice theme tune it is as i recall uh and the other one, one, 
The other one is Ulysses 31. That was a cartoon <laughs> show from the early 80s when I was growing I don't up as a kid. It, I confess. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a bit of the uh actually I should play a bit of the theme tune here. Hang on. Let me see if I can okay, yeah. load it in to the player. One second. Okay, here it is. Here it is. So this was a weird I think it was produced in France, and it's a weird cartoon space thing, and it was called Ulysses 31. So you could see like uh, how that could be uh, like a, a rock band could do that. I'm rocking out to that already. That's fucking I like brilliant. The, the slidey bit. See, yeah. I like that bit. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. So you can check it out. There's like a two minute version on YouTube. Uh, so check out Ulysses Thirty One. So that Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and the Adam Buxton podcast are the two are the three most uh, catchy theme tunes of all time, unquestionably. But Wonderful. I mean, the question wasn't about theme tunes. We probably should mention that. We have digressed, point. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, Adam Buxton is obviously a, a, a very funny guy, but he's got great people on there. Uh, some of the recent ones, Adam Curtis, uh, Sharon Horgan um, uh, from Catastrophe, uh, Mark Maron he's had on as well, Brian Eno, it, just really funny and really great well guests. put together podcasts. Yeah. What else What else yeah. are you listening to? Do you know, I've been listening to Russell Brand's podcast. I've yeah. been enjoying that, actually. He's had some brilliant guests as well. Super Vet? Uh, yeah, Super Vet. Super Vet was very much on there. I still listen to Mark Maron as mm-hmm. well. I think they're the main ones I've been listening to recently. What would you What would you add? Uh, I would aficionado add, of the uh, genre. I would add, well, uh, for sports and stuff, Second Captains obviously are, are good guys. There's a great one called Song Exploder. I don't know if anybody's heard that, but basically uh, they're about 15, 20-minute episodes and he'll talk to uh, an artist or a singer or a band about the, a particular song and they break down the song into all its elements. So you might get a bit of the drums or a bit of the, the loops or the bass or the vocals and he'll talk about how they put the song together. He was talking uh, the guy Perfume Genius uh, he had on the other week and he was talking about how he was singing into a microphone that was shaped like a head. It was really quite weird, but it's a great it's a great podcast, some really good songs, and then they play the song right at the end of it. That's called Song Exploder. And what I got into actually from the Adam Buxton podcast, it's an Australian guy. Um I can't remember his name. Um boom, 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 but the podcast is called Conversations. I think it's um one of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation or somebody that Richard Feidler, I think, could be his name. But it's just him right. talking to to various peoples. Uh, peoples? I was listening to one where he, he was speaking to a retired brain surgeon over the weekend, and that was absolutely fascinating. And he also had an interview with a guy who has written a book about how Hitler was basically a drug addict um, using methamphetamines, opioids uh, throughout. He was being injected with all this stuff by his doctors, but also how stuff like uh, what we know now today as crystal meth was available uh, to the general public in Germany. It was sold in chocolates and all kinds of stuff. It was amazing, fascinating stuff. So there's a whole rake of uh, really good uh, podcasts there that I'm just beginning to get into. Um, What's that one called again? It's called Conversations. 
Okay, cool. Conversations. So that's that's a, a recommendation for people as well. So there you go. I mean, you could fill your days just listening to Arsenal podcasts alone. There's yes, of course. Of course. There's lots of those out there as well. Um, so look, well, hopefully that gives uh, people uh, something to listen to uh, during the off-season. Yeah. Get that? their ears around. Get their ears around, indeed. Um, I think we better go because... Your laptop now sounds like it's about to... <laughs> it's going to take off, It's I just going to take gonna... off, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, the fans or explode, are, yeah, one of the two. The fans are worrying there. Well, look, um, the last thing we need for you to do is uh, get your laptop exploded right there because that would then mean that the grudge lifting did not work at all uh, and I would feel bad about that. So, um, I, I mean, it's so hot that I now... I've done nothing. I've sat here and had a conversation and I now feel I probably should go and have another shower. That's sort of how warm it is here. It is, it is very warm, but we make the most of it. It doesn't happen that often, certainly not exactly. uh, in Dublin anyway. Um, all right, well, listen, have a good week. Enjoy the sun. We will catch you next week for another Arsecast Extra. Who knows what we might be announcing, what we might be talking about, who might have signed Obama Yang. Lacazette. Mbappe. Bakri Sanya, back for one, more, one last hurrah. Andy Carroll. Craig Bellamy. Craig David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, folks. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 